you head out to your classes, everybody else, you'll have a seat. Uh, good morning. We're really glad that you are here today. Uh, it is our uh, 17th anniversary as a church uh, this morning. And so I want to say thank you to everyone who's a part of True Life. Uh, I want to say thank you to uh, everyone who uh, serves and uh, just, uh, you know, those who make this ha- happen. Uh, you know, one of the things the Bible teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about a church, uh, Paul said to the church at Corinth, and, and the church at Corinth is not exactly the model church in the New Testament. They were pretty messed up. But he said to them that they came short in no gift. There's everything in a church, you know, gift-wise, financially, whatever, to do everything that God wants to be done through that body as long as we give it to him. And so I encourage you to think about that today. Um, remember tonight is reset, 5 o'clock. It's a prayer and worship service. Great way to kick off the year. I hope you'll come back for that. We do it once a quarter. And uh, what we're doing the next couple of weeks really is kind of casting vision for the year. Today's a little more corporate. Next week's maybe it's a little more on the personal level. Actually, uh, next week's sermon is going to be a little different in that all five of our pastors are going to speak in kind of a tag team uh, sermon, which uh, should be interesting. But then in a couple of weeks, we'll get back into Ephesians uh, with the marriage part of it. Before we get into the message today, uh, since it is our 17th anniversary, we've asked a couple to come share a testimony. And uh, Jim and Linda Schrock, and they were not part of the original core group, but they were one of the first uh, families to come. Uh, I think you guys started coming actually really before we even launched as a church. Uh, so they've been here a few weeks short of since the very beginning, and just been a huge part of the ministry here at True Life. They've been small group leaders for the entire time, which uh, is just tremendous faithfulness. Linda's been our financial secretary almost since the beginning. Uh, Jim's been a big part of our Honduras ministry and actually has led us through both of the building renovations that uh, we have done. So we really appreciate them. So why don't you guys come and share now. Let's make them feel welcome this morning. Jimmy gave me this mic. Is it on? Okay. And uh, Linda's going to do a lot of the talking, so uh, so, I, so I'm getting mine in right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I see uh, so many faces here that we usually used to see on in the second service. Or, so the church is growing, and you guys just decided to come to the first service versus the second. But uh, anyway, Jimmy asked us to share a little bit about... Uh, um, uh, what we, what we, you know, what's going on with us in the church. So, Elena's going to share, and I'll hold the mic for her. You got it? No, I'll hold it for a minute. <laughs> First, I'm going to say Happy New Year, and I hope that you all have a blessed and fulfilling year in the Lord to come and to know him more. That's, that's the whole goal. And I want to read Philippians 1, 9 through 11, if I can read it without shaking. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the, righteousness, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. And I feel that that is truly what it's all about, is to bring glory to him. And Pastor Jimmy some of my words here <laughs> when we started coming we started the last week of December 2002 and 
within just a little bit, we, we got involved with everything. That's too close. <laughs> I can hear you now. And uh, a lot of the people that were coming to the church, we already knew from, uh, from coming from Manly Church. So uh, we didn't feel, you know, we felt at home right away. And then uh, Angela had approached me a little bit later in the early part of 2004 to be become the financial secretary so I accepted and that's 16 years ago so um, and then Jim and I became small group leaders in 2004 and uh, as the years went by we've met so many people so many people have come into our lives and we've seen love we've seen caring we've seen uh, God answer so many prayers through our small group people and and through their praying and they've prayed for us we've prayed for them there's been meals given and meals taken, and they've brought meals to us when we were down, and they've always been there for us. And there's a lot that have passed through that have come and gone, but they all touched our lives in, in great ways, and we're so thankful for that. And um, as we now, are we can call our group the over 50 group, and that's sort of obvious. <laughs> so anyway, it's, it's, it's great. We love our people. And we also were thankful for the outreach in this church because I know that some of the people even in our small group were reached from some of us going out and handing out water or handing out cards. I know one family that got a card. They were at Dollar General, and they came and, and became members of our church. Now they're members of our group and have been for five years or more. So it's just wonderful that we reach out to other people and it does mean a lot. And you can see God's hand in our growth through all of this because it's him that does it. It's, it's not us. He works through us. But, but God has just brought so many different people into our church, and we just praise him for that. And I do remember one little story. Before we purchased this building, there was a gr group of ladies, and one of them was my dear friend. She's moved away. But she used to tell us that they'd come down here and pray and they'd pray for this building before we even got it. And they'd walk around the church like seven times. And on the seventh time, the train whistle would blow real loud. <laughs> and so it reminded them and me of the walls of Jericho coming down. But uh, one day they were praying, and a man and his wife came to the graveyard next door to visit their son's grave. They thought probably for the last time. And the man was curious, so he asked them, he said, what are, what are you all doing? And they explained. And he said, well, can I please pray with you? And they said, of course. So he prayed with them. And then God worked it out, and we got this building. So prayer is, is the most wonderful thing that we have an opportunity to do, and God does answer our prayers. Um, no, not yet. <laughs> it's been a wonderful journey for the past 17 years with this church, and we've grown immensely, and like I said, we've met lots of people, and we're thankful that our Heavenly Father is letting us witness all these things and changes in people's lives, people being changed and saved and baptized and, and all the wonderful things that he does. But most of all, I want to thank Pastor Jamie and Robin and their family for all they've done. They've always stood beside us, always been there when we needed prayer. We love them, appreciate them, and we hope that you all love them as much as we do and appreciate them. Is it my, my turn now? Okay. <laughs> well, I took the leadership training, so I can memorize what I got to say. <laughs> Just, <laughs> <that's right. laughs> 
That's sort of a sidebar to that. Go get no, I won't. <laughs> anyway, I, Linda, Linda had mostly everything we did. Uh, but we, uh, you know, I guess I look at it, because I run a business, you know, we sort of approached, you know, we started right in the beginning, and so Jimmy... Jimmy had all this stuff. I, it was exciting to see. You know, I, I don't know if Shane uh, remembers, but Jimmy had all this stuff written out, you know, about leadership and 101, 201. You know, we, we went through all this training, everybody in the church. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day about a trip we made to, uh, to um, uh, the, uh, the place in, in Ohio. There. <laughs> anyway, you know, the, when we went to... Um, uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, Creation Museum, correct. And, and, and I was saying to them, I said, the whole church went. It was just about everybody in the whole church because we didn't have a lot of people. But, but anyway, what, what it amounted to was Jimmy uh, had a lot, of ship, a lot of leadership training. And, and I learned one thing, you know, in, in Matthew 20, uh, 26 and 28, Jesus talks about leadership. And it isn't the way we think of the world's leadership. We, leadership is servant, you know, to be a servant, to be, uh, uh, he even talks about being a slave to the people. So, you know, that's really how, how this church has grown by the leaders being servants and, and other people being servants. And, and uh, you know, some of the highlights that I can remember is, you know, uh, going through a lot of leadership training, you know, going to Honduras. I went to Honduras when we were in Manly and then, and then some of the people from Manly, we kept going. So, uh, but I always got, I always did a little construction work when we were there. And, uh, and then I guess I was going to, I was thinking about our friends and family, people even in our small group who got saved and we see them get baptized here. Um, you know, I remember working on the church thinking, you know, we were working on a baptism because it's old, the, the baptistry. And I, and I thought, man, you know, this it's going to make a difference in people's life. People are going to see people changed from the outside versus the inside. And uh, so you work with that in mind. But uh, uh, my highlight in this being at this church <coughs> was thinking of my mom. When she was 89, she got saved here. And then a week before she uh, passed, went to be with the Lord, she, and a lot of you had you know, things to do with it. We, she went to the community center and got baptized. So that was really, that's still a highlight of my, uh, my thinking of this. So thank you guys. Jim, you brought up your mom about to get me to cry before I'm supposed to preach. So, uh, um, all right, so I get to talk about uh, kind of you know, vision for the year, direction where we're headed. And there's really one word that I want to give you today to uh, kind of focus on, but just kind of lay a foundation. I want to start with, with our mission statement and some scripture. So you tell me what our mission is, True Life. All right. I did well. The rest of you were pretty sketchy. Let's try one more time. What, 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 what's our mission, True Life? All right, so, so, you know, why do we say that? I want to look at some scripture just to kind of uh, ground everything that we're going to talk about in today. So we've got a Bible. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18. Or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 28. And, and we're going to read uh, several verses. 
and uh, beginning with talking about the resurrection uh, of Jesus. And so uh, in Matthew chapter 28, it says, Now after uh, the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. Behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. And, you know, one of the things that gives credibility to this whole story is that the first eyewitnesses presented in Scripture were women who could not testify in a court of law in that day and time uh, culturally. And so if they were making this up, they were really bad liars. Um, so, uh, you know, it's saying Jesus rose from the dead. It said, you know, it appears to the, the angels appear to these women. They see the empty tomb. It says they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came uh, up and took uh, of his, hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So our mission is what it is as a church, and I believe you could say it in different ways, but really it's the mission of every church. Our, our mission is what it is, first of all, because Jesus died for our sins and he rose from uh, the dead. And uh, if you notice there in, in verse 16 and 17, you know, Jesus had directed them to go and meet him at this place. And it says, and they worshiped him, but some doubted. And so I want to say before I say anything else today, that each and every one of us has to make a decision about who we believe that Jesus is and how we are going to respond to him. Do we believe that he's the son of God who, rose, who died for our sins and rose from the dead? Are we still doubting that, questioning that, denying that? But here's the thing. If he really did rise from the dead, what else is there to do but to obey him and worship him and live for him to live as his disciple? So that, that's the first issue that we have to settle. But uh, the second issue then that we have to settle or maybe thing that we have to realize is that if we really are a follower of Christ, if we are trusting in the risen Christ uh, for our salvation, if we have given our lives to him genuinely, if he is our Lord, that means that we are on mission with him. We are a disciple, and the essence of being a disciple is ultimately making other disciples. Um, the mission of our lives, the mission of every church, 
is expressed in Matthew 28, 18. Jake, if you put that back on, on the screen, there's one command. I'm sorry, verse 19. Uh, there's one command in, in all of this. It's make disciples of all nations. That, that's the imperative in, in, in the Greek. Go baptizing and, and teaching are participles, which means that they modify the verb. In other words, what that's saying is the command, the mission that he's giving us is to make disciples of all the nations. The way we do that, we do it as we're going. Uh, we do it by baptizing the converts, immersing them in the name of God, which is Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. And then we teach them to obey all that Jesus had commanded. That's our mission, to meet people where they are, help them become fully devoted followers of Christ. So to be a disciple then is to be someone who responds to the gospel, publicly confesses uh, his or her faith in Christ through being immersed in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then is learning to obey all that Jesus taught. And part of that then is repeating that process by helping other people then uh, hear about Jesus, respond to the gospel, publicly confess their faith, identify with the church, be disciple, learn, grow, and ultimately growth is measured by, not by knowledge, but by obedience. Meet people where they are, help them become fully devoted followers of Christ, be disciples who make other disciples. And, 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 and that's the foundation of everything that we're trying to do. That's the bottom line. Uh, the primary metric that we're trying to look at is how many disciples are we making here, there, wherever we can. That's why church planning uh, is such a big part of our ministry. But the question is, how do we need to focus this this year? What is our uh, next steps? What are, are our next steps, so to speak? And so there's a word uh, that I want to give you and kind of try to unpack for us this morning, and it's this word. It's the word multiply. That's the name of the message, and that's really kind of our word for the year as a church, is, is to multiply. Okay, and so uh, I want to give you a verse of scripture uh, to, once again, to kind of root this in, and then we just kind of want to talk about how that we feel like that uh, God's calling us to multiply this year, where we need to focus. But the verse of scripture is Acts 9.31. Acts 9.31. This is, in the book of Acts, one of Luke's kind of summary statements that he sprinkles uh, throughout the narrative there. And he says this, he says, So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, or some translations say being edified. But it says, And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. And so I think a biblical prayer for our church, for every church, for the church, is that the church would be edified and multiplied that we would be spiritually built up, that's edification, and then that we would be outwardly multiplied uh, through multiplying uh, disciples, leaders, small groups, and ultimately church plants because multiplication in the book of Acts was through conversion, but that conversion always resulted in the multiplication of churches because the fulfillment, the end result of the Great Commission is church planting. That's one of the foundational premises that we operate on as a church. That the end result of 
fulfilling the Great Commission is the planning of new churches. So I pray that God would edify us, that he would you know, spiritually build us up, and he would multiply us. That's biblical church growth, spiritual growth, numerical growth at the same time, but not just addition, multiplication. Addition is uh, somebody here and there getting saved. Multiplication is every disciple making other disciples. Multiplication is starting other churches because when we start other churches, then uh, you know we may we may not see it in our numbers here, but the kingdom of God will grow by hundreds of people. That's multiplication. So it's you individually making disciples. It's us corporately multiplying by planting churches. That's what we're talking about. And so multiply, that, that's our word uh, for the year. That's what we feel like God has called us to focus on. Now, there's three particular ways that uh, we feel like that we particularly need to focus on with this this year, with kind of what our needs are and what we feel like God has called us uh, to do. So in, in the next 20, 25 minutes, I want to try to unpack those for you a little bit. So let, let me give you three statements. You know, how, how, how do we need to focus on multiplying this year? Three ways. One, we can multiply by multiplying our ministry to the next generation. We can multiply by multiplying our ministry to the next generation. I'm, I'm talking about kids' ministry, student ministry. I'm talking about the boys and girls clubs in Honduras. So, um, Let's start with talking about our children's ministry. Um, you know, one of the things that we've tried to do from day one, you know, even when we just had a handful of people, one of the things we were blessed with going all the way back to the core group of True Life is we had some people who were world-class uh, children's ministry leaders. Uh, I mean, they could go in any church anywhere and, 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 and do it. Um, and so we've always tried to have a children's ministry uh, of excellence, and you know we've always had a lot of kids. Um, you know, in, in, in a given week, uh, if you if you look at our attendance numbers, somewhere between and this, this would include the workers as well, somewhere between a fourth and a third generally, usually somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty percent that are here in the building are in kids ministry, and. So that obviously in and of itself makes kids' ministry a big part of our ministry. But we think it's an important part of our ministry because, you know, we want to raise up followers of Jesus and build that foundation from an early age. And, of course, ultimately we know biblically that's primarily on Christian parents. But we want to partner with, support, uh, you know, Christian parents in doing that. We want to be able to minister to non-Christian families. You know, we, we want this to be a place where, uh, you know, kids are like dragging their parents to church. It, you know, if, if, if parents are like, uh, I don't know, kids are like, hey, we better go to church because I love being in my class at church. That, that's the kind of kids ministry uh, that, that we want to have. Uh, frankly, in today's world where you can do church online if you want to, you can uh, consume you know, podcasts, sermons at, at any time, which I would recommend not as a replacement for gathering together with the corporate body of believers, which is a biblical command, but as a supplement to that, that's an awesome thing. But um, you know, when people do that, and that's becoming more and more common, they're leaving their kids out of the equation. 
That's one of the biggest reasons to be at church on a consistent basis. And, and, and I will say this. Um, you know, my kids are now 24, 21, and 15, and I don't have a whole lot of theories about parenting anymore. Uh, you know, when, when they were little, uh, I, I thought I did. But, but I will say this. If, if, if church is optional, don't expect your kids to grow up and put Jesus' first place in their lives. Now, I will also say, if you're depending on the church to raise your kids up to be disciples of Christ, don't expect your kids to grow up and put Jesus' first place in their lives either. But kids' ministry is a huge part of what we do. And so, really, I'm saying this in part to encourage some of you. I mean, we have a ton of people, around 70 people who serve in kids' ministry. We need more. And I'm going to explain why in a minute. I encourage some of you, you know, I know that's not for everybody, but some of you once a month, some of you more often. I mean, some of our anchor people like Heather in the nursery and Glenda in preschool and, and you know, and Ray, they, you know, that serve almost every week and then worship in the other service. I mean, we need more people like that too, but we need some people who are just willing to serve once a month to grow this, to invest in kids, to invest in families. But uh, we're going to show you a couple of videos. One is from a parent who also teaches in kids' ministry, and one is actually from one of our kids. So listen to what they have to say about this. As a Christian parent, I understand that it's a commandment that I teach my children God's Word. Um, but it's also a wonderful thing to know that I can bring them to church and that we have an amazing children's ministry where my children are learning God's Word here too. Um, it's great when they come home and I ask them what they've heard at church and they can tell me things that we haven't talked about at the house, things that we haven't talked about when we've talked about whatever the story may be. Um, this past year, um, I was excited that all three of my children were able to have communion with me. Uh, during the Christmas season. It's precious to know that they're learning the Word of God, that they're growing spiritually. And um, as a teacher, it's exciting to be able to pour into the lives of other children. And as a Christian parent, I know that my kids are getting God's Word at home, but there are children that come here that maybe they don't get that at the house. And so as a leader or as a teacher in the children's ministry, um, I just I might be the only person that is sharing God's word with them, that is showing God's love to them. And it's an awesome responsibility and it's a huge blessing. My name is Tobin Wilkie and I've been asked to talk about children's ministry and the workers that have been a big part of my life. All the teachers teach good and interesting stories about God. The teachers are funny, kind, and give good examples related to the stories. The teachers work so hard to teach the kids about God. They taught me about the Bible, the gospel, sin, and the resurrection. The people in the Bible do things for God that are sometimes hard. My favorite Bible story is David and Goliath because God can make wonders work even through a small person, even if it's hard. I became a Christian this year and all my teachers were so excited from both church and school. My teachers have been praying for me for years to get saved. I got to call many of them and tell them I got saved that night. It felt really good that they were excited for me. If this sounds really cool, it's amazing. We need a lot of people and workers to help who are just as passionate about teaching kids as workers we already have. We need more workers and teachers to help share the Gospels with kids, even if it's hard. Will you help us?
maybe there's my successor if I can hold out that long. <laughs> um, so, uh, specifically, there, there's a, a need that we have in kids' ministry that I would like you to pray about considering be a, a part of meeting or meeting the need. Um, you know, I guess as you grow and as things, you know, there's different phases and seasons and, and whatnot, but uh, kind of our pinch point growth-wise right now is in Kids Rock because uh, there's a lot of weeks in both services we may have about 25 kids in Kids Rock, which is uh, really, and you know, we normally, we schedule two teachers, and that's a lot of kids. And so uh, we, we'd like to, you know, change that. Really what we'd like to do is, and you know, uh, Kids Rock used to be first grade through fifth grade. We added uh, Club 56 for fifth and sixth grade. It's kind of a bridge ministry, which is also now extended to Wednesday nights. We'd not, what we'd like to do now is to be able to subdivide Kids Rock into two classes, first and second grade and third and fourth grade. And um, we believe it'll create a better learning environment for the kids, uh, a closer, uh, you know, relationship, mentor, more mentoring opportunities, uh, you know, so on and so forth. But just some of it, you know, we try to keep in that age range of 1 to 10 teacher ratio. So at a minimum, we need to add another teacher, which would require more volunteers. But really, we're kind of, it, and they're in a big room. It's over 600 square feet. But for children's space, uh, for 25 people, that's still not, uh, you know, the proper ratios. And so we can address that building-wise. We're going to be addressing that soon uh, by kind of tearing out a wall and creating another space, and we can use that for the youth group on Wednesday nights as well, which we need. But basically, to be able to do this, we just need more teachers. And so we're asking, you know, some of you to consider stepping up and meeting that need and increasing the quality of our kids' ministry, both for your kids and for families that God would have us reach in this community, and so that we can keep growing. Um, you know, another thing that I want to talk about just, you know, briefly is, is youth ministry. Uh, really excited about our youth ministry and what God's doing there, both the spiritual and uh, numerical growth. And, uh, you know, we've kind of formally brought Jacob Wilkie on staff now as our uh, youth minister. And uh, I just encourage you, if, if you have teens and they're not plugged into the youth group on Wednesday nights, you know, we have Club 56, 5th and 6th grades, um, and then, you know, seventh, there's middle school, and then there's high school. And, um, you know, there's a real emphasis on discipling them and just seeing some great things happen in um, teenagers' lives and now young adults that are leading and growing and serving and, and ministering. Just really encourage you to get your teenagers plugged uh, in there. 6.30 on Wednesday nights starts back on uh, the 22nd. And uh, let you hear from uh, a family who have had, I don't know, 10 kids probably, I guess, go through youth ministry. So if you want an advertisement, I don't know a better family to give you an advertisement for it. Good. We just like to say a few things about the youth uh, and the youth ministry here at True Life Church. What a blessing it's been for our family and for many families. Uh, I know they get a lot of teaching, a lot of good teaching. meets on Wednesday nights. And uh, just like to encourage everyone how much it has helped the kids uh, to learn now. Yeah, you've seen like, some differences in in our past and stuff. Well, we have thirteen children to compare with, and our oldest two didn't have a youth group because we were in such a small church, and um, um, so they didn't have the discipleship that my kids have had. the The next kids had coming to True Life and. <clears throat> Um, 
We've watched them go to classes and come home and discuss things with us, open their Bibles and read their Bibles on their own without, you know, mom or dad saying, you know, did you read your Bible or anything? Um, I particularly remember a few years back um, after Jacob Wilkie started teaching the youth that I was sharing with one of my daughters about um, something that that I'd read in my quiet time and some things I was thinking about. And she just surprised me and jumped in and discussed the thing with me because she had been reading through first John, um, every day for a week, because that was their assignment that week. And, um, I've watched them grow in their faith in the Lord and be obedient when it was painful to be obedient. And um, I mean, to I mean, to what they felt like God was leading them to do, and um, then they, um, you know, started serving in you know more. You know, they a lot of children and, and young people serve. I'm sorry, a lot of young people serve at True Life. Most of our yeah. teenagers do in a tremendous way. Um, but it's been a joy to watch them become adults and take on leading positions with um, the teenagers and really pour into their lives and um, love those teenagers as they were loved when they were teenagers. Mm -hmm. I hope that everybody who comes to True Life and has teenagers will bring their teenagers to that type of ministry. One of the hardest things as parents is we all got our giftings. We all have our special things that we're good at and then things we're not good at at all. And that's where you need to pull together with others that can step right in to help. And it's been such a blessing to have them not just trained to read the scriptures or to, to give a lesson, but to actually train them in leadership, how to lead others in, in Bible study or how to lead a, a uh, small group or uh, meet together on their own and, and do those kind of things. They, They've spent a lot of time with them, which has been just a powerful thing in the, in the youths. And it's very humbling as a parent to have your your young person, your teenager um, or young adult encourage you in the Lord. Yeah. When you think that your job is to encourage them in the Lord and they encourage you and you just like <clears throat> just the way it should be. Yes. All right, one other thing in this area that I want to say something about, and just quickly, is the Honduras Boys and Girls Clubs. And I forgot to do something at the beginning, but if you look under your seat, uh, some of you probably already done this, but there there's, uh, should be three pieces of paper uh, inside of a pen. And if, if you'll take that, and a couple of these we're going to use at the end, but one of them, which is basically the outline that says multiply up here and has a QR code uh, up in the corner. Uh, we're actually going to use during the message. But uh, another way that we're really trying to minister to the next generation is through the Boys and Girls Clubs in Honduras. Um, there, there's nine clubs uh, right now with a 10th that will be starting uh, next month. You can kind of see some, this is just a little map uh, with uh, location and the new one is number 10 here. Uh, the next picture that you'll see is from some training that they have been doing uh, recently. 
but, uh, you know, this is a ministry that's established with the Boys and Girls Club of Central Honduras is on board and that kind of thing. And for a budget of slightly less than $50,000 a year, uh, we're ministering to over 500 kids a week uh, in, in the Boys and Girls Clubs. And so I encourage you to pray for that. But a couple of things uh, that you could do if you want to make a practical difference here is, um, you know, we're going to Honduras in February. Uh, there's a supply list of like school supplies uh, for the clubs that you could donate towards. If you'll go in uh, the, the True Life app and click events, and then you can find that supply list under the Honduras mission trip. If you don't have the church app, we would encourage you to do that. That's what the QR code is for. Uh, you can just you know, scan your phone over that. It'll take you to Tithely, which is our app company, and then you can just type in True Life Church, and you can download the app, and that'll help you know more with what's going on. The other thing that, that, that I would say, uh, this is kind of a request. Uh, not everyone can meet this need, but there are some of you who can meet this need, and if God would prompt you to do this, I would encourage you to talk to me about it. Uh, we're ready to start an 11th club in a very strategic location in uh, a very populous area of Tegucigalpa in, in a church that has a large uh, facility. It actually used to be a school before it was a church. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a massive facility. This could be a huge club. It, it, it's ready to go other than we need some financial sponsorship for it. And for about three dollars to $400 a month, you know, we could start a club that has the potential to reach a lot of kids. And if someone, you know, felt led to help with that, talk to me about that. So we're trying to, you know, to minister to, to impact, to multiply through uh, the next generation. But there's, here's a second way that God has called us to multiply, and that is uh, we can simply multiply, and this is really just doing what the Bible says, by each of us being a disciple who makes other disciples. Uh, you know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. And it's been said and it's true that if we're not fishing, we're not really following. That's the reality. When you read the book of Acts, Acts chapter 8, there was persecution. The church got scattered. Everybody but the apostles went out, preached the gospel, planted churches. It was a lay church planting movement. God can use you to make a difference. Uh, the only way that multiplication is going to happen is if all of us or most of us are adopting and accepting our responsibility before the Lord to be disciple makers, to impact other people's lives, to share the gospel, uh, to encourage other believers, to follow up with new Christians, to help other people grow, to use our spiritual gifts in service. I mean, you know, we, we've said for years that our outreach program at True Life Church is us. I mean, there's things that we do uh, to supplement that, but we're not a program church. We're a people church. We're about relationships. That's why small groups are so important, but it's each and every one of us. So to emphasize this uh, this year and to, to keep this hopefully in the forefront of our minds, we're going to join with a bunch of other Southern Baptist churches, which if you didn't know, we are a Southern Baptist church. Uh, it's not, you know, it's kind of a secondary thing for us, but it, that's, we are a part of the SBC, and that's part of our church planning efforts. But we're going to join with a bunch of other church planning churches in an emphasis called Who's Your One? It's a very simple question. Who's your one? Who is one person in your life? And of course, it can certainly be more than one, but let's not start too big, right? Who is one person that you know and care about? 
that God would have you to pray for and share the gospel with. One person. It's your family member, a friend, a co-worker, someone you're in school with, a neighbor, someone that you are concerned about, that you care about, someone that you'll say before the Lord, I'm going to pray for this person. I'm going to be intentional in blessing this person and showing this person the love of Christ and seeking to share my testimony and seeking to share the gospel with this person and uh, you know, inviting this person to church. However God would lead you, whatever doors would open, but a person that you would commit to to try to reach this person with the gospel of Jesus Christ this year. And so on your outline, you see the big graphic here that says, who's your one? Under that, there's a blank. And I'm going to ask you to write a name there as a commitment that, God, I'm going to do what I can with your help by the power of the Holy Spirit to reach this person with the gospel of Jesus Christ this year. If you need to pray about it and think about it, uh, you know, that's fine. I mean, I'm not like, going to come and inspect these at the end of the service, see if you wrote a name down. You can certainly write more than one name down. But if you say, and there's nobody, or I can't do this, if you're a Christian, you can tell somebody. God can use you. I mean, you say, you know, there's a lot maybe you can't do. There's a lot I can't do. But all of us can do this. If you're saved, you can tell somebody how you got saved. Uh, if you're not, if you like, you're like, I'm not sure. Sign up. Uh, we'll get to the sheet in a minute. But sign up for the evangelism class on Wednesday night, uh, January the 15th. You have no excuses. We'll teach you how to share your testimony. We'll teach you how to share the gospel. Uh, we'll equip you to do it. Uh, don't say we can't. Listen, uh, let me give you just a couple of examples here that I hope will encourage you, motivate you, and challenge you. I hope you'll think about these. So um, some of you know this, some of you don't. But uh, you know, Judge Dwayne Sloan's a part of our church. And in November, he was honored with the William Rehnquist Award for Judicial Excellence for the top judge in the nation. And um, he was uh, presented the award by Chief Justice Roberts at a ceremony at the Supreme Court building. And, um, you know, they could take guests, people with them to be, uh, you know, to be there with them. He invited our family to go, so me and Robin and Lily got to go. And so at the event itself... Um, we were seated at a table. There's like 10 people at the table. Robin was on my left. On uh, my right is a lady, one of the sweetest people you ever meet. Her name's Lisa Bryant. She's Dwayne's uh, assistant. And so she has to juggle everything that uh, he's doing. This is one of the sweetest people you ever meet. And during the, the course of the dinner, she told me a, a story. And remember, we're at the Supreme Court. Dwayne is getting the award for the top judge in the nation. Well, when Dwayne was a junior at Jefferson County High School, he got put in the alternative school. Um, so, you know, don't give up on your teenager. <laughs> don't give up on that prodigal child. Um, but uh, she was telling me about a lady. Uh, she didn't tell me her name. Dwayne kind of filled in some of the details. But a lady by the name of Irene Hance who was the administrator at the alternative school. And the alternative school, you know, now they, uh, you know, I, I was out there with Steve Payson uh, back in the fall, and, you know, they have some portable trailers and this kind of thing. I mean, Dwayne, so there's like a half a dozen kids out somewhere near like the old post office. I mean, there wasn't like a real place for it and that kind of thing. But, you know, Dwayne was down on himself and struggling. But this lady, Irene Hance, would, would tell him that God loves you and God has a plan for you. 
and God, uh, you know, can help you pass this, and he can use you. And Dwight said at one point, he said, like, you know, no, I'm in the alternative school. You know, no, nobody's going to let me date their daughter now. She said, well, I'd let you date my daughter. And um, who's your one? I mean, you may not be able to preach a sermon. You not, may not be the judge of the year somewhere, but you can tell somebody that God loves you and God has a plan for you and God will help you through this and God will help you pass, pass this and you don't know what, how God's going to use that. You don't know where he's going to take that. You can make a difference in, in, in somebody's life. Let, let me give you another example. Let me show you a picture. Um, okay, so two guys standing here. Who, who know, how, how many of you know who the guy on the right is? Who is the guy on the right? It's Craig Rochelle, okay? So why would you know Craig Rochelle? Well, Craig Rochelle is pastor of the largest church in the United States. Uh, they have like 30-some locations, almost 100,000 people uh, in attendance on any given weekend. How many of you have the YouVersion Bible app? Um, it, it comes from uh, their church, okay? If you've got that on your phone, almost 400 million, uh, there's almost 400 million devices with a YouVersion Bible app on it, and, and it's free, uh, if you don't have it, I'd encourage you to, to get it. Uh, but their church invests over $10 million a year in giving that as a free resource. Anybody know who the guy that's standing there with him is? His name's Mike Davis. Here's who, you see what they're holding? They're holding a little Gideon New Testament. And here's the reason. Craig Rochelle was a, was a sophomore in college, I think he said. He was in college. He said he was majoring in sin wasn't a Christian, was the president of his fraternity. And four of the guys in their fraternity got arrested for grand larceny. And they, the, the university was about to suspend the charter of the fraternity. So as a PR move, he decided to start a Bible study. And a bunch of non-Christians, and I mean, this is his testimony. And so said, you know, we're going to have this Bible study on Tuesday night, show up, whatnot. It's a PR move. And he says, on his way to class that day, he realizes he doesn't have a Bible. <laughs> well, coming out of class that day, there was a man handing out Gideon Bibles. And several years later, he discovered it was this man, Mike Davis. He, he gave him a Gideon Bible. Now, I mean, Craig, he'd grown up in church. I mean, I don't think it was an evangelical church. But nobody at this point shared the gospel with him. He started reading through the New Testament. And he got to Ephesians chapter 2 and went out and knelt on a softball field and committed his life to Christ. And now he's the pastor of the largest church in the United States. And he says the reason that they give away the U version for free and their church invests over $10 million a year in it is because somebody gave him that Bible, uh, a Bible like that for free when he was a college student. Nobody knows who Mike Davis is, but look at the impact that he's had in the world by giving away a Bible. Who's your one? God can use you. It doesn't have to be anything big. And, and listen, sometimes we think we don't see the results right away. But God's word does not return void. The gospel is and always be the power of God and the salvation for everyone who believes. Listen, we can't control whether or not people believe, but we can control whether or not we share. Who's your one? We're called to be disciples who make other disciples. Listen, let's start, stop focusing on, stop talking about what we can't do and start talking about what God can do through us. It's not by might or by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. 
We can multiply. We can see God just blow the doors out if all of us will take this responsibility. And then the last thing, and I'll just touch on this. We can multiply by developing leaders, birthing small groups, and planting churches. We'll talk about small groups next week. Let me just focus on planting churches for a minute. Like I said, the end result of the Great Commission, the fulfillment of the Great Commission, is planting churches. Um, it brings multiplication. And you say, you know, why are we talking about this? Well, just two or three reasons. Some of you can go on a mission trip to Honduras this year and be a part of that. Some of you, God may call out. And we would bless and encourage you, if you feel led in this way, to go to one of our church plants locally this year as they begin. But all of us can pray. And, and I think one of the things we need to remember and claim this year that we've seen in the first half of the book of Ephesians is that God works according to the power that's inside of us. And the power that's inside of us is the power of the resurrected Christ through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And he says that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that is in us. Do we believe that? Well, if we believe that, we'll pray. And we'll pray differently. And so one of the things that is on uh, your list here is a, a list of prayer requests. I mean, you know, we have our ministry in, in Honduras through Mepi, and there's several churches, several church plants there. Uh, you know, one of the things you can play, pray for is the opening of the, the new, um, you know, training centers. Uh, if everything goes according to plan, in about the next six months, we're going to go from three training centers right now that you know, have a, a seminary pastoral track and then kind of a layperson training track to eight in about the next six months. And, and everything looks like it's in place for that to happen. And so, uh, you know, our desire, our hope from that then is to be able to train enough leaders that in time a church planning movement could come out of that because there's enough leaders equipped for that. You know, there, there's our church plants locally. There's International Fellowship. There's Children of Christ Church with the Micronesians. There's... Um, a new creation in Morristown with Jeff Davis. There's Legacy and and Dandridge, and they're you know kicking off their their core group trainings and meetings next week. But what we ask each of the church planners to submit here is kind of like their top five prayer requests for the year. We also include them for True Life, and uh, that's listed on your sheet. So I'm asking you if you would pray for these things on a regular basis. Could you do something as simple as like? Say Monday through Saturday, because I hope on Sunday morning you're kind of praying, preparing to come to worship. That's how you're going to have the best experience. But Monday through Saturday, could you take five minutes, like one church each day, and pray for five minutes for these five prayer requests? What would we see God do if we did that together? And so I hope you'll take this with you, with, so it's your who's your one reminder and so that you'll use this as a prayer guide. We'll also put out the prayer request electronically this week. Uh, some of you prefer that. Now, to kind of conclude this, uh, take, take out your other couple sheets if you would. So one sheet says True Life Church Membership Covenant. And uh, 
If you've been through the membership class, you know that we ask people to renew their membership covenants yearly, and this kind of gives you an opportunity to opt in or opt out, so to speak, because we believe church membership is a commitment, kind of let us know who's still on board. And remember, if you're re-signing your covenant, you're committing to what the covenant says. So if you're a member of True Life and you want to renew your membership covenant, uh, we just ask you to, you know, to sign it as, as that sign of commitment. I mean, the, the usher's going to come, greeter's going to come collect these before we end the service. Um, if you have been through the membership class, but you haven't turned in your covenant yet, you can uh, do that with this as well. Now, if, if you've not been through the membership class, you can't join until you actually go through the class, and, and, I, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. Now, the other sheets you have, the, the half sheet of paper, um, the, the front, side said, front side says service opportunities. And so, if you are interested in, in, in learning about ways that you could serve at True Life, you're, you're not committing to anything by just uh, filling this out and turning it in. Uh, you're just indicating some interest. And, uh, you know, for most all of these ministries, there's kind of a process that you would go through uh, anyway. But if you're interested in plugging into, you know, one of these ministries that are listed here, if you'll just check that blank and turn it in. Uh, I mean, some particular needs that we have is some people to add into the media rotation, uh, a female small group leader for Celebrate Recovery, uh, some people to add to the social media team, and, um, you know, in particular, what I was talking about with kids ministry, particularly kids rock. And uh, like I say, you're not um, committing to anything, you're just indicating an interest, and someone will follow up with you. Like I say, there's a process that is involved. Anyway... There's also a blank there, the last blank on that side of the page. says, I'm interested in going to Honduras in June as a part of a mission team. And so if you're interested in that, let us know. Somebody will follow up with you. Uh, there's not a lot of spaces left for that trip. So if you have some interest, I would strongly advise you to uh, go ahead and indicate that so you can uh, you know, get in that uh, discussion. Now, on the other side, uh, the first couple of blind one says, I trusted Jesus, my Lord and Savior. I'd like to talk to someone about becoming a Christian. You know, if, if that's where you are, if, you're, if you haven't become a follower of Christ yet, if, if you're not trusting in the risen Christ, we'd love to talk to you about that. Let us know. Maybe some of you need to be baptized to do what Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, to go public with your faith and, and, and you know, demonstrate your faith through that first step of obedience of believers' uh, baptism. Um, maybe you need to get plugged into a small group. Uh, there's some Wednesday night things coming up that you can sign up for here. The new believers class. Ladies, those of you that are interested in the women's Bible study, you need to let us know through this so that we can order books. Um, some of you, uh, your next step would be uh, attending the Discovering True Life class. And let me say just a little bit about that because uh, we're actually, uh, we've, we're, we've revamped the format of the membership class. And this is the, we've been doing it the same way for about the last 15 or 16 years. So it's kind of a big change for us. I mean, the way that we've been doing the, la the membership class for the last few years is uh, like a, a one-time four-hour thing on Sunday evenings about uh, five times a year. But now what we're going to start doing is almost on a monthly basis doing the membership class, the Discovering True Life class, on Sunday mornings. It'll last three weeks, like in February, which is the next one. It'll be 
1030 to 12 on the 2nd, 1030 to 12 on the 9th, and then 1030 to 1230 on the 23rd with lunch provided. And uh, we feel like it's going to be a better learning environment because four hours is a lot of time. And, you know, we don't get to use all that time because we're having dinner and different things. Uh, we feel like it'll be a better discipleship environment. We'll help you be able to get more assimilated more quickly. The last one, the, we'll focus on helping you get plugged into a small group, helping you get plugged into a ministry, that kind of thing. And so, you know, if you're interested in getting oriented to true life and getting plugged in, this would be a great next step for you. If you're interested in that, you check that blank. If you're part of a ministry team, uh, we hope that you're coming to the ministry team meeting Wednesday night, and you can sign up there. You can sign up for one of the discipleship uh, classes. If you have a prayer request or a question, uh, you know, you can fill that in at the end. Or I would ask you to do this. The name that you wrote on your Who's Your One, if you would write at least just the first name there and turn that in, our staff prays together for you and for the church practically every Monday morning. We'll pray for those names. We'll also put them out in our weekly prayer request so we can pray together for these people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so if you just put your, the first name down there of your person or you know, whoever you want to put down there, we'll join together in praying for these people. And so if you take just another minute... Uh, to fill that out, and, and then we'll have our greeters come and collect those. If you're not finished, uh, you know, you can put it in the offering boxes, or, you know, you can certainly take it with you and bring it, bring it back. But, uh, you know, we want to help you get plugged in, and, you know, we are the body of Christ together, and it takes all of our gifts and abilities and resources. It takes us working together to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. And if you're a Christian, if you're a part of this church, what is he calling you to do? Because he is calling you to do something. Let's work together so he can work through us and to see multiplication happen, if changed lives, of people being saved, of just him using us in advancing his kingdom, advancing the gospel here, Honduras, through these church plants. To me, that's exciting. I don't want to waste my life. You know, I turned 50 this year, which freaks me out just a little bit, to be honest. And it's a little weird to me because I feel young, I uh, feel good, but I don't know. I don't, do I have 10 good years left? Do I have 20 good years left? Do I have 30 good years left? Uh, do I have a year? I, I, I don't know. But the only way I know to approach that is to try to live every day to the full and the will of God, doing what God has called me to do. That's the way to build a life that lasts anyway. That's what he's called all of us to do. Let's do that. Let's pray, and then our greeters will collect these, and then uh, we'll be dismissed.